You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. Hey, this is Matt Breckwald, and I am thrilled to have you here with us today, and I am thrilled to say happy 4th of July to all of you. It's coming right up and just a wonderful time of the year here in the good old United States of America to celebrate our independence. Love that holiday. And speaking of that holiday, are you hungry? Are you cooking out? Are you barbecuing? And are you doing it on a Traeger? Well, if you're not, you might want to reconsider that. Today, I get to talk to, oh my goodness, probably one of the most famous barbecue personalities, influencers in the entire United States. I'm going to be speaking with Matt Pittman of Meat Church. Uh, This guy has so many people that are following him and learning how to barbecue brisket and chicken and everything else, anything to do with meat on their Traeger and otherwise. It's just a great opportunity to pick his brain and he's got so much information to teach us. I had to pick one thing to go with. So today I get to talk with Matt. We talk all about using a Traeger and he just breaks it down and tells us exactly what he does to cook delicious brisket on his Traeger. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for a crowd pleaser for the 4th of July or for any barbecues you've got coming up for the rest of the summer, this is it right here. You've got to check out this episode. I'm just super excited to bring it to you and to help you just have unbelievable success in your backyard or wherever you may find yourself preparing delectable meat for your friends and your family. So we'll have it coming up to you here in just a moment. And hey, happy 4th of July to all of you. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, I'm pumped. I am super excited to speak with you. You have an incredible following of people who love to eat meat. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my objective. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, where are we talking to you at today? Where in the world do you find yourself? I'm actually in my flagship store at home in Waxahachie, Texas today. What? I got to say that right. Waxahachie, Texas. Did I get it even close? Waxahachie. Waxahachie. Okay. And what part of Texas is that in? Uh, It's basically Dallas. So we're about half an hour drive directly straight south of Dallas. Okay. Very cool. Well, like I said, it's really exciting to speak with you and uh, I am looking forward to what I'm going to learn and what we get to share with our audience. I wonder if we could start off by just having you kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Just tell us who you are and what you do and what Meat Church Barbecue is. Yeah, so Matt Pittman, I'm the CEO, founder of of Meat Church. Uh, You know, I kind of started out as a competition team and got my start being on the TV show Barbecue Pitmasters, where I took two rubs that we made uh, onto the show. And if you do that, though, they're happy to show it instead of gaff taping it out. So you can't, you know, if you're using a commercial product, they Mm -hmm. they'd cut up. So you know, the show aired and they showed our stuff and we had launched a little website and it was just a little hobby for us. But, uh, the short story in the, you know, five years since then is, is I'm super passionate about barbecue and a humongous barbecue nerd. And, uh, I think just through my passion and my cooking and which has kind of revealed itself through social media is, you know, I cook and, and kind of on a daily basis, I always cook something and kind of tell you how I did it. And I, I think that's resonated with people and, you know, at this point now we've got about 15 different barbecue products, but around a hundred different SKUs between all the merch that we sell. 
we try to be a little more of a lifestyle brand. Uh, so now you can find our stuff in over 500 stores and uh, we're distributed internationally and have become kind of a premier barbecue brand uh, in a pretty short period of time. So that's my quick history. That's awesome. Yeah. Five years is a quick period of time. And I know uh, D&B Supply, who you know we do the show for, we're carrying your stuff as well. So we're excited to be doing that. Absolutely. It's a fairly new partnership, but, but it's been super good already. So that's why I was definitely happy to do this. Well, I was, I was going through your Instagram page and by the way, I don't know who does all your photography. Obviously it's not always you since you're in a lot of the photos, but whoever does it does a fantastic job. Thank you. Yeah. Um, most of the pictures are mine, but obviously like you said, the ones that I'm in are not. And, uh, someone in our family shoots a little bit of that as well. So definitely appreciate that. Well, I never knew I never knew the heights that barbecuing could take you to or, or to being an expert in barbecuing. But as I'm thumbing through your Instagram page, I see a picture of you with Dave Grohl. And uh, now I realize just how high I can take you. Yeah. Um, so Dave's a huge barbecue fan also. And the past two years, he's come down to Memphis in May where we compete. And he cooks with a friend of ours that's right across from uh, I cook with Traeger at Memphis in May. And he's he's right in front of us, like literally the, the spot across the sidewalk from us. So we've got to hang out with him the past couple of years. Um, and it's pretty well chronicled now how big in the barbecue he is. So that's definitely a highlight for me. Well, how did you come up with the name Meat Church? Where did that come from? So there's there's a couple of places, but it started with a, a friend of mine in Dallas, Alice Lasad. She's a, a food writer and she's very funny. On, on a Sunday morning around, I don't know, 11 something in the morning, she was eating barbecue at a barbecue joint in Texas. And she said, I'm about to ha- sit down and have my hashtag Meat Church. And I just thought that was clever and I screenshot it and filed it away. And anyways, time went on. You know, I, I just thought I say now that I barbecue to bring people together and make good memories. So for me, barbecue is about the fellowship of it. You know, it's it's not technically religious, but, you know, I mean, if you think about how much time you spend around a table, like my life certainly centers around food, but our best memories are in the backyard, friends, family, swimming, whatnot. And mm-hmm. so I thought, you know what, the name makes sense for us. And I was a little nervous uh, about the name when I launched it. You know, Jeremy Andrus with Traeger Grills once told me it's okay to have one foot over the line. You just don't want to have two. So <laughs> I went it and it's, I mean, honestly, the name has been a gigantic portion of our success. So I'm so it's one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Yeah, very cool. It's a great name. And as somebody who speaks with a lot of different businesses all around the country, I can tell you it's, it's uh, coming up with a name like that's fantastic. And it just jumps out. It's great. Thank you. You bet. Well, what was your first product? What's the first thing that you ever sold that turned you from being just a barbecue nerd to now into a barbecue business owner? You know, I think it was really natural. So I was born in Tennessee and grew up on pork. So there's lots of pork and sweet flavor profile. And then when you come to Texas, our barbecue is extremely different here. It's it's about beef. It's simply seasoned with salt and pepper. And I remember having a, a bite of a beef rib and just like popping my head back going, whoa. Mm. Uh, and I just, I thought I want to make that. And so I was always a wannabe chef. And so I immediately thought I want to start trying to make this stuff myself. And so that's how I got started. And for years I said I was self-taught, which I am, but as you grow in barbecue, barbecue is a huge family and it like, there's not a lot of secrets. And so people are willing to share with you what they're doing, which is, it's, I mean, it, it really is like we go to these huge competitions. You see guys you haven't seen in years and it's the coolest thing ever. And they're happy to tell you what you're doing. So now I feel like I know everybody in barbecue and it just like, like I said, everyone's always willing to kind of sh- tell you what they're doing. And 
that's kind of how I got my start. And then people just, you know, I mentioned earlier through social, I tell you how I cook things and what I do and people really gravitated towards that. Mm-hmm. And I'm real passionate about it. I, I always say like, I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm doing my own thing. I wake up one day and say, Hey, I want to go cook beef tongue and I go cook beef tongue. And there's other people I think that see them and go, oh, wow, how'd you do that? And I'm very forthright and open and tell people how to do it and try to pay it forward every day. And I think that's paid off for us. And it just, it, it accidentally turned into a business. And in December, I left my corporate career. I'd been in corporate America for 21 years and I'm, I'm a meat church full time now. It's just absolutely crazy to accidentally create something out of your hobby. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty badass. I'll just put it like that. <laughs> Wake up and do this every day. <laughs> that is awesome. What did you do for a living before this took off? So I was, I've always been in IT. I've got a finance degree, but I've managed IT forever. So I was most recently vice president of um, technology operations and real estate for an online lender. So uh-huh. I basically managed infrastructure, data centers, and all that sort of thing. Well, Very that- different barbecue not as exciting as barbecue. <laughs> well, when you find uh, when you find that sweet spot, it gets pretty exciting, right? Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, let's take our first break. When we come back, I want to I want to know how you develop a barbecue rub, and I want to talk about your relationship with Traeger as well, all right? Sounds good. Feeding your pets lifelong health starts with science, and that's exactly what's behind Hill's Science Diet. Made by vets, scientists, and nutritionists, Hill's Science Diet offers biology-based nutrition for all pets with formulas for every age, size, and special requirement or need, like joint health and weight loss that create differences you can see, feel, and trust. No wonder it's the number one veterinarian-recommended pet food. So pick up Hill's Science Diet at D&B Supply today. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB supply. All right, Matt. Well, how do you go about, I mean, how did how did you develop that first barbecue rub and, and how do you come up with these concepts, these ideas? So, you know, I mean, I used the internet years ago to come up with, with my all-purpose rub and it was just trying to use a kind of Texas kind of feel to what I was doing. And I just remember starting out with a rub that I liked and mixed and made it in mason jars and just kind of went with it. I just, you know, I didn't know any different. I, I didn't know what I should buy in the store and I wasn't connected to people in barbecue. So I didn't know what other people were using. So I just Googled a recipe and started. And, and then, you know, on the beef side of things in Texas, most things are salt and pepper, like I said a bit earlier, mm-hmm. but I ended up making my beef rub a little more complex and that's kind of how I got my start. So, you know, that was the first two rubs, but from there on a ton of R and D finally getting something to where I think it needs to be and then sending it out to 20 different friends and saying, try this, what do you think? And that's kind of the beginning process. And so how has that evolved over time? How many different rubs do you have your name on now? So we have 13 different rubs right now, nine barbecue rubs and four what we call gourmet rubs. So rubs that are a little different, like we have a seasoned salt, a lemon pepper, a seafood and a garlic and herb. Uh, And then we have nine actual barbecue rubs. Mm -hmm. Some are kind of similar. I always say that I'm not trying to be all things to all people. I'm just trying to be a little bit unique and kind of cover the broadest stroke. But now we're into 
weird and unique things come up. Like a couple times in the past two years, we've created a limited edition rub and we've gotten fortunate that they ended up being so good that our customers demand and we keep them full time. So Mm -hmm. good for you. Well, and and you're also teaching classes, right? You, You will teach people how to do what you do in person. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I don't know what we're most well known for, but I think the thing that makes me most unique is I teach a lot teach my own classes a lot. So there's, there's certainly people that travel around and teach barbecue for other people, but I, I, I create, curate and produce my own events. And so I teach very often anywhere from in my backyard, which is probably the coolest things we do to, you know, I travel to Traeger grills to teach. I've got a couple of gorgeous venues I teach at, like there's a place called whiskey ranch in Fort worth. Mm -hmm. Um, The name alone is very cool. Yeah. And then you know, I've traveled last year to Australia to teach. I've, I've taught in Sweden the past uh, four years, uh, so kind of all over. But the ones I do in my backyard, I think, are what people talk about the most. Mm-hmm. I've got this just – my wife allowed me to create my dream kitchen. I've got just the most insane outdoor kitchen. I've got almost 30 different grills and smokers, and uh, people come literally from all over the world to take these classes. So I, I had a couple last weekend that – um, I only put 40 people in each class, so it's pretty small, intimate, because it's in my yard. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had over two days, 80 students. We had people from 16 different states and uh, two other countries outside of the U.S. So I had someone fly all the way from Rome, Italy, to take my class. So it's it's pretty crazy to that we create these events and people come from all over the dang world to take them. That is incredible. I don't know if I should be more impressed with the people coming in from you know, from across the pond or from your outdoor kitchen. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of cool. That's for sure. Well, now, how did you get involved with Traeger? It was a pretty natural, organic deal, but it, I mean, something I'm pretty proud of. So Luke Edgar with Traeger approached me at the American Royal probably four years ago and just said, hey, I'm, you know, fan of your brand. And and I was aligned with another grill manufacturer at the time. And so it was just a friendship. And so Luke and I kept in contact. And and uh, at some point, they sent me a trigger and just said, hey, you know, we don't want to encroach on your existing relationships, but we want you to have this thing. And so the genius in that was I naturally started cooking on it and loved it. And I've said this a few times, but I went to go demo for the other company I was working with and actually took barbecue off the Traeger because I thought it was superior and they'd been on me to come up to Traeger and teach some classes. And I really wanted to and, and finally did that and had very successful first class. And we had like 86 people in Salt Lake. And then it went so well, they said, hey, you know, we'd like to get you involved on a, on a more official basis, which we did. And had a really good first year. And then we kind of came back and said, this is going so good. You know, we should really ramp it up if you'd like to do more things for us. And so... You know, over the past few years, I, I do a handful of national events for those guys. And now I, you know, most of the classes that I teach are actually on Traegers, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And then I just I just opened the, our, our first store, what we call it our flagship store here in Waxhachie, just under two months ago. And we actually sell all things Traeger here. Uh, so, you know, I feel like those guys are my family at this point. My wife feels the same way. So it's been a it's been an awesome ride so far. You know, I have I, I now realize that I, I was going to ask you what model of Traeger do you use? But I now, as we're talking, realize that's a silly question because you've got 30 grills just in your backyard. So what <laughs> models of Traegers do you tend to cook on? So uh, this year I'm cooking a lot on the Ironwood and, and I've always loved the Timberline since it came out. Um, but real easily accessible. I have the new pro, the new Ironwood and the new Timberline all next to each other. And so 
you know, I kind of jump back and forth between all of those. I certainly have always recommended the Timberline the most. It's just, to me, it's like night and day to all the other pellet grills in the market. It's just super reliable. I had literally, I've literally never had any issue with it whatsoever, none. So I just love it. But when the Ironwood came out this year, I was pretty stoked about it because it's just such an affordable price point compared to the Timberline. And I'm selling a ton of those in my store as well. So mm-hmm. I, I really like that one as well. But then all of the new ones with the D2 technology in them are, are fantastic. Thank you for that advice, by the way. I know there's there's people out there listening who are ready to go get theirs and uh, they're wanting your recommendations. So I appreciate that. You really can't go wrong with any of them now. You know, I mean, I think price drives where a lot of people end up. But, you know, if you can afford it, I certainly say jump in on the Timberline group. But if not, you know, I'm loving all of them this year. Okay. Another quick break. When we come back, let's talk about preparing some meat. Cool. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. The chicken or the egg? DNB knows what comes first. It's Neutrina NatureWise Layer Chicken Feed which leads to both a healthier chicken and fresh, hard-shelled eggs. With over 90 years of experience raising healthy poultry, Neutrina NatureWise gives your hens wholesome, natural nutrition they can sink their beaks into. Free-range and home-raised flocks gobble this expertly designed and formulated layer feed in pellets and crumbles. So flock to your favorite D&B supply to pick up a bag of Neutrina NatureWise layer chicken feed for balanced nutrition. All right, Matt. Well, now that we're back, I, do you have a favorite meat you like to prepare on a Traeger? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the standard Texas boy answer here, but, you know, people buy smokers in Texas to smoke brisket yeah. or maybe fribs. And, you know, I've, I've really honed in on this long cook I'm doing on briskets that is phenomenal. And I'm, I've been running this, it depends on the circumstance, but between a 17 and 20 hour cook, uh, on a brisket and it just is like melt in your mouth. It, it's, it's easily my favorite to cook right now. Well, you're right about Texas. I've been fortunate enough to spend quite a bit of time down there. And every time I go down, I'm hitting up barbecue somewhere. I've got a few of my favorite spots and uh, it is fantastic. You're right. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So let's talk about the Traeger a little bit more. So why is it why is it such a good system for doing that? Why does it help you to be so successful in creating that melt-in-your-mouth brisket? Well, I mean, I think the big thing with, with Traeger is, you know, there's a few, but I tell people, you know, if you go to Barbecue Joint Texas and you get something you love and you want to replicate it, Traeger's by far and away the easiest way for you to get anywhere near obtaining that result. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you, you can unshackle from your grill. So, you know, the essence of barbecue is a stick burner that's just a tank with an offset firebox, and it's just wood meat fire. But the problem with that is in 2019, people are busy, and those pits require you to, you know, build a fire and maintain the fire. First off, figure out how to maintain a certain temperature. Secondly, be there all day long to do that. And mm-hmm. that's great, but most people don't have time to do that anymore. So the thing with Traeger is for me, I've got four kids. You know, I can throw my brisket on and I can literally go do whatever I need to do and I can monitor it from my phone. And some people look at me and they're like, well, that's crazy. Why would I need to do that? And my answer is always the same. Like I can teach you to make a brisket on a Tuesday. 
when you're going to work and you can't do that with any other, sure. any other worker. And so, you know, so true story, you know, I've got a class in two days. That's a, a small brisket class I do at my shop. And I love telling the story of how we're going to cook this brisket because the last time I do this once a month here and it's really cool because we throw this brisket on at 9 PM and I just let it go. I wake up in the morning and throw it on about 190 degrees, super smoke on the timber line and I go to bed next morning. Last time I did that, I took my kids to school, came home, wrapped it tight in butcher paper, didn't touch it, just let it keep going, went to work, had lunch. After lunch, I pulled out my phone, and on the app, I bumped it up to 250 degrees. And somewhere between three and four hours later, my brisket was 203 degrees internal temperature. I hit the keep warm button. I went back home, pulled it off, put it in a cooler. Two hours later, I brought it up to the store and sliced it for this class. And people were telling me it was the best brisket they ever had in their life. And I'm like, well, would you believe that I was actually only in front of this brisket for like 15 minutes total hmm. and just like blown away. And it's like, you can, you know, you could have done anything. Could have went to work. You could have went to watch your kids play soccer. You could have went to, you know, the hardware store, lived your life and made sure your brisket was okay. It's just like, you can't do that with anything else. It's it's super cool. Yeah, that, that is really incredible what technology allows us to do both in, in the app, but also in, in the Traeger to, to be that hands off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, super. Cool. Uh, I mean, so with you saying that, I know you're saying you only spent 15 minutes in front of it and, and people are saying it's the best brisket they've ever had. So obviously there's something that goes into this on the front end with preparation, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't really counting the prep, which is probably more than then I was in front of the grill, but sure. Yeah. You know, I tell people you got to start with amazing ingredients to end with amazing food. So I certainly try to pick out really good meat, which isn't too tough to do here in Texas. And, but I'm real simple in my approach with what I do. I mean, I do a lot of education around the trimming and what I do with brisket, but in Texas, I mentioned that, that barbecue salt and pepper, I've got a rub called Holy Cow that's salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic. It was the main rub I used on Pitmasters. And that's all I say you need on brisket. Lately, I've been adding a little of our Holy Gospel rub to it to make it a little more complex. And that's a tip I've gotten from a lot of our competition teams that are doing so well with those two rubs mixed. But put that on it, let it kind of soak in and, and go from there. So it's it's really straightforward, nothing too crazy. And I think it turns out awesome. Let's take another break. When we come back, can we talk about kind of the art of making a great brisket? Absolutely. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark of hardworking and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks that fit your daily life, Stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At D&B Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking. Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at B&B. All right, Matt. Well, let's talk about this. And I've read that they call briskets the king of beef or king of meat. Am I right about that? I call it the king of barbecue. King of barbecue. Uh, okay. Yeah, for sure. I oh. think it's um, I, I think it's the toughest to master. I don't think it's that hard, but I just think in general around the country, people are 
people are a little bit scared of it because it may not be that prevalent everywhere as it is in Texas. And it's one of the more expensive things to cook. And so mm-hmm. take it back in time, like when people first start grilling, they go out and buy a steak and you might buy just some cheap old steak you find. And then you start looking at these big tomahawks that are $7,500. And you're like, man, I'm afraid to cook that thing because you don't want to screw it up. So brisket's kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. It can be expensive and it can be intimidating. But once you master it, there's no going back. Well, so let me ask you this. How far in advance of actually putting it on the Traeger do you start prepping the brisket? So when I teach barbecue, you know, I tell people it's kind of dependent on your time and life and things that are going on. But I'm okay with people trimming it, seasoning it, and putting it on. And so as little as spending 10 to 15 minutes trimming it to your liking and then seasoning one side, letting it kind of sweat out, which will take 10 to 15 minutes max, flipping it over, seasoning that side, doing the same thing. So you're, you know, 30 minutes total plus the trim, you're, you're at about 45 minutes all in. You can do as little as that and, and be great. However, the advice I give people, I always focus on prep and I, my teaching examples, I frequently talk about cooking on a Saturday because that's what a lot of people do when it comes to a brisket. Mm -hmm. I say, well, come home from work Friday, go ahead and get your trim out of the way, open a beer, trim your brisket, season it, put it in your fridge if you want. That way you don't have to wake up at five in the morning and, you know, trim a brisket. Um, You don't have to let the seasoning adhere for that long or anything like that, but I just find the more stuff you can do in advance and make your life a little less stressful when it's time to execute or cook. Now, what kind of trimming do you recommend on on the brisket? So this is probably the hardest thing we'll discuss today since this is verbal, you know, and not actually seeing it. But but the the thing that's important is uh, a couple things. First, you need to remove any hard fat from the brisket because anything that's hard to the press, that won't render the way softer fat will. And you'll just end up cutting it off at the end. And then that bite of barbecue won't have seasoning on it or have been exposed to smoke. So you want to get that out. But in general, I think the biggest thing to remember is if you think about your purpose of what you're doing and how you're trimming it will help guide you to how much you want to trim or how aggressively you want to trim. People go on the internet and they watch videos from people teaching how to trim something. And they're all real different. And just because it depends on who's teaching you. Restaurants will trim pretty aggressively because they want all their briskets to be really uniform in size and frankly as aerodynamic as possible. Well, all that stuff they trim off their brisket, they can use. If they mm-hmm. trim a bunch of meat off, they can grind it up into sausage, things like that, or hamburgers. But at home, unless you have a grinder or an attachment for your KitchenAid, odds are you might just be throwing that meat away. Sure. And so you're you're wasting it. So everything you cut off is something you can't eat. So I, I warn people up front, you, you decide how aggressively you want to trim this thing. Well, going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, trim the hard fat off. I like to take about a quarter inch around the entire sides of the brisket to get the rough or kind of oxidized looking meat cut off. And on the fat side, I generally take the fat cap down to about a quarter inch, half inch at the most and kind of go from there. All right. Well, that's another question I had for you. So what is the fat cap? So if I was able to show you the fatty side of the brisket, um, usually over to one side, there'll be about a four inch wide piece of fat. The, the entire back of the brisket isn't the same thickness and fat. It's usually just down one side. You know, I, I recommend, like I said, cutting that down to a quarter inch, half inch at the most because fat's flavor, but only in moderation. You, you don't want to end up slicing the brisket to eat it and have a two inch piece of fat on top of the meat, you know, but there's nothing better than a quarter inch size piece of fat that's got seasoning on it that's been kind of kissed by smoke and rendered down and that's that's really where the flavor comes from to me uh, now when you're when you're first 
putting the brisket into the Traeger. Should it be at room temperature if it's coming out of the refrigerator? Is that too cold? Is is that a thing? A lot of people ask that, and I don't have an issue putting it on. I, I don't. So first, of all, I would tr- I would trim right out of the refrigerator because when the fat's harder, it's easier for you to trim. But I definitely do not leave my briskets out to let them start to increase in temp. I mean, my thought is it's going to be in the Traeger for who knows, 10, 12, 14 hours, depending on size. I don't think it's a huge deal personally. I know some people that let them sit out, but just for cooking something in your backyard, I don't think you need to do that. And, and back to the fat cap, I was reading this actually on Traeger's website, but it was about you, uh, the debate over whether or not the fat cap should be up or should it be down when you put the brisket on. You know, put me on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's highly debated. And, you know, the last class I taught, I actually did, I had to do two, for 40 people, I needed to cook two briskets and I did one fat up and I did one meat up just to show the difference. So when I begin these discussions, I say there's no right or wrong way. For that matter, there's no right or wrong way in barbecue to do anything. You do you and whatever tastes good. That's the cool part about it. But people generally cook meat up with a competition background and they do that for presentation reasons. It just, it looks better. The If you cook meat up, I think it appears to get a little better smoke ring. And when you, you slice that and you lay that in the turn-in box, it looks really, really cool. But in Texas at restaurants, so Texas barbecue joints, they're generally cooked fat up. Okay. It's just a different way to do it, and it's not necessarily any better, but um, I actually teach fat up just because I'm teaching a traditional Texas method, but you know, when I go compete, I, I, I cook meat up. So again, the last class I did, I, I cooked both to just visually show the differences, and I tell people, you do whatever you want to do. It's mm-hmm. generally going to cook about the same way. It's just kind of your decision. Okay. Well, let's take our last break, and when we come back, we'll kind of we'll wrap up talking about how to make the perfect brisket. And uh, we'll go from there. All right, Matt? Sounds great. You already know Honda makes some of the most reliable, fuel-efficient cars on the planet. And that's just as true for Honda lawnmowers. The best thing about a Honda mower is it's a Honda, which means exclusive features like a 4-in-1 twin-blade cutting system that results in finer clippings for either bagging or when mulching, actually feeding your lawn for important nutrients. And it also means a highly fuel-efficient engine that's easier on the environment while you're sprucing up your environment. Plus, depending on the model, Honda residential mowers come with either a three- or five-year limited warranty. Shop Honda at select DMV supply stores in eastern Oregon and southern Idaho. Tired of choosing between feeding your lawn for a thick green turf and fighting annoying weeds? DNB Supply is here to help you do both with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed. Sometimes feeding your lawn also means feeding unwanted weeds that have taken root. That's why Scott's developed Turf Builder Weed and Feed, which uses a weed killer while also feeding your lawn to crowd out the weeds. So get to the root of your lawn issues with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed at your favorite DNB Supply. All right. Well, Matt, when you when you're putting the brisket on, when it's first going into the Traeger, do you start it on a low temperature with with smoke, or do you just go for it right out of the gates? So that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, w- when I walk through my brisket method, I you know my recipe calls to be to cook at two seventy five. So, and the reason for that is if I normally buy around a fourteen pound brisket, and it's not because it tastes different. That's just I know that I'm going to trim a couple pounds out of it, mm-hmm. so I'll be left with an 11, 12 pound brisket. And at two seventy five, that'll take me about ten hours. Okay, and that is normally 
acceptable for people cooking on the weekends. Like I always say, you're in it to cook an 11 hour brisket. That's 10, 11 hours. That's, that's a day you're cool with that. Most people don't want to cook a 20 hour brisket because it's, you know, going to go into the night and that's not what they're trying to do. So I tell you up front, my cooking at 275 degrees, that's going to take you about 10 hours. Now with that said, you could tweak it depending on your circumstance. And so, you know, the example I gave earlier about putting a brisket on at 9 PM and cooking it until around 5 PM the next day, that was dictated by having a class the next evening. And so I wanted to spread, I wanted to slow the cook down. And so, you know, again, no right or wrong way. I just said, all right, I won't start at 275. I'll, I'll go low 190, 200, something like that overnight while I'm sleeping. Therefore it's going to take a lot longer. So with a Traeger, on a lot of the grills, there's a super smoked setting, which is at available under 225 degrees. So if I'm going to go longer cook and if I'm below 225 degrees, well, then I'm going to hit the super smoke button and just put more smoke into it. You know, do I think it's required? Not necessarily, but it's a it's a really cool option to have, you know, and just gives you that flexibility. Mm-hmm. I do use the super smoke setting for other things, like when I cure my own bacon and after it's cured for a week and I want to smoke it. I'm cooking at 165 degrees and I want maximum smoke. So I'll hit the super smoke then. So I usually don't approach any cook as saying, well, I need that smoke necessarily. It, it usually except the, the bacon. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's just kind of a product of, well, if I'm below 225, I'll take all the smoke I can get and I'll hit the button and go with it. What internal temperature are you trying to hit before you pull it off? On a brisket? Yeah. Every brisket's different, but I always say if I had to give you a number, I would tell you it's 203 degrees internal temperature. So, you know, I, I say you got to have like a thermopin and serene thermometer and to probe the brisket. And I, I probe a brisket or I check the temperature in the middle of the flat. And with a Traeger probe, I have that leave-in probe in the flat all the time. And when it, I usually have the alarm set at 190. So when that brisket gets 190, every 10 minutes or so, I check it with my instant read thermometer. And what you'll feel at 190 is you have to push that probe in the meat but when it's done, it's going to be super tender. So you, at that point, when you push a probe in and it just gives, there's you know no resistance, that's when you know it's done. And that's generally around 202, 203 degrees. And then earlier you talked about pulling it out, and I think you said wrapping it in butcher paper and then putting it in the cooler. Did I hear that right? Yeah. I, so it actually happened before I pulled the brisket. Um, I usually wrap the brisket around 165 degrees internal. And in Texas, we wrap in pink butcher paper. You can wrap in foil. That's fine. And it has a little bit less of a learning curve. But here we wrap in butcher paper. And so from my 165 internal to 203, I'm already wrapped in that. So I actually wouldn't do anything when I pull it. I would just pull it and go ahead and take it straight to a cooler. Okay. Wrapped in that same paper. And you can hold it. You can hold a brisket wrapped in paper for hours in a in like an insulated cooler like a Yeti. I mean, it'll hold for you could probably hold it for four or five hours. No problem. At least no problem. When you say hold it, you mean hold it at the at the correct temperature? Is that what you mean? So when I when I say hold, what I mean is let's just say that you were eating dinner at 8 p.m. and your brisket was at 203 degrees and was done at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to eat it for four hours, so I'm going to hold it that amount of time. So I would be putting that brisket in the cooler at 203 degrees and know that it would be at a safe – it would be at a – it would remain at a warm enough temperature for that many hours. So I would want to keep it – you know, above like 140 degrees, that 203 degree brisket won't drop below 140 for probably over four hours in an insulated cooler. And so that gives you a lot of flexibility. So one of the biggest lessons I tell people 
if you were having a dinner party and again, you were going to eat at 8 PM, don't try to have your brisket done at eight, have it done early. You, you need to rest the brisket at least an hour, but I would, I would plan to rest it two to, you know, at least two hours. So plan to have your brisket done by six or even five. That way mm-hmm. you can rest it and all that, you know, that allows all the juices in the brisket to redistribute throughout the meat during that time. Cause if, if you pull a brisket right off the trigger, two or three, you unwrap it, it's going to be steaming like crazy. And then you go to slice it. You see even more steam come out. That's just, you're losing moisture. You're robbing yourself of eating that moist meat. It's just all kind of running out. So let that brisket chill out and the juices redistribute throughout the brisket. Uh, then when you go to eat it, it's you know going to be cooler and it's going to be just as tender and juicy as you could want. Well, why do you use butcher paper instead of foil? You talked about the learning curve and said you need less of a learning curve with foil. So what does butcher paper do for you when you wrap it that way? So, you know, when you've seasoned your brisket and you put it on, you're starting to build bark and you spend, you know, hours building this beautiful bark. And so the, the traditional way to wrap a brisket in the country is usually to wrap it in aluminum foil. And there's pros and cons of that. But the, the pros would be you're going to capture all the au jus that comes out of the brisket. Any, you know, any juices come out, you're going to capture in that in that foil. Um, it also speeds up the cook process uh, because you're effectively steaming the meat. The con with it is that when you're steaming it, it can actually you can start to lose some of that bark you built. So you started to build kind of a by texture of a crusty bark. And when you when you wrap in foil, you can almost wipe it off technically. So in Texas, it's very popular to wrap with butcher paper because butcher paper now unwaxed butcher paper, not okay. not the kind of butcher paper that you get from a meat market. And it has, you know, it's real slick on one side, but unwaxed butcher paper is permeable. So you won't actually steam the brisket, uh, and that bark won't wipe away. And so you won't lose all that bark that you've spent hours building. But sometimes I find that people have a tendency to maybe cook a little too quick and they dry it out that way. So Mm -hmm. the tip I give is I'd love for people to try it both ways, but if you have never cooked a brisket or if your confidence isn't where it needs to be on a brisket, then I would start with foil so that you get an amazing taste, amazing tenderness, super juicy brisket. And okay, so what if you lose a little bark? And then you can graduate into cooking with paper is kind of my opinion. Well, Matt, it has been just an absolute thrill to learn about this directly from you and to be able to bring this to our audience. For anybody who wants more information on you, on Meat Church or on Traeger, where should they go? So if you use the Traeger app, um, I've got a few recipes in there. Meat Church can is most notably found on Instagram, so at Meat Church. Uh, we've got a pretty cool following on there. And then our website's meatchurch.com, so you can get all cool things Meat Church, including our recipes or you know products if you want to try it or not. So um, and we're everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, it's all at Meat Church. Thank you so very much for coming on today and educating us all on a delicious brisket. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle however you define it. For the D&B Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.